Hello, everybody, and welcome to Saints Radio. And it is a, a great privilege every week to be able to sit down with so many of our Saints family across the world for uh, an unusual time of conversation and discussion. That's what this program was originally designed to be, um, just to be able to talk about things. You know, we, we try to stay away from hot-button issues, even though at times we kind of dance around them. But uh, I'm so grateful to just be able to to reach out and to just have the pleasure of your company for this next uh, number of minutes. Um, some of some of the people in my church probably don't recognize how the Lord uses this kind of a program around the world. Uh, we we we've been really blessed here in Dallas to, in so many ways, have business as usual over the past year and a half. Yeah, there have been some restrictions and there have been some times that we have um, followed a, a, a more cautious route uh, in regard to government restrictions. Uh, there have been there have been times where we've said, <clears throat> well, maybe we don't need to meet in this way, but we can meet in this way. But for the most part, we've been functional, and I'm very grateful to the Lord for that. But there are a lot of people in other parts of the world, many of you who are listening to me right now, that have been severely restricted in your ability to travel, your ability to do a lot of the normative things that we basically take for granted. And something like this, as, uh, as unusual as it may seem to some, God uses it as a real life-giving measure to people who are lonely or to people who just want to hear a voice that says, yeah, keep, keep on going. You know, everything, everything is in the Lord's hands. And uh, so I, I, I value this program. I remember when God first inspired this type of thing to be. Uh, I remember we, we originally were talking about including some kind of a chat to where people could write questions or whatever. And I see still on the logo, it says email questions to, to a specific site. Well, we don't, we don't really do that. And basically because, I mean, this was years and years ago. People don't, people in our network don't need to t send emails. I mean, there's an immediacy of connection. Um, if I, if, if I want to get a hold of, Let's just say, for instance, if I want to get a hold of Robin, in five seconds I can get a hold of Robin. She can get a hold of me. Um, she she serves so faithfully so many of the technical things that we do every week. And even though she's a thousand miles away in the great and mighty state of Florida under the tutelage and care of the sparrows, you know, we, we have connection. And I I would say that for just about all of the people that are in the Saints Network and um, so the original idea of being able to reach out through email questions was something that was noble at the time but it really is dated I, mean, I, I look at this logo and I think what was life like back then when this first originated my goodness has communication expanded since that time so the point is, is that I'm really happy to have this time with you, and uh, I'm flying solo today. Monica, who normally be across the table, is in California, and uh, should be back sometime today, but it's just you and me, kid. 
So um, let's see what the Lord will do. I have some uh, announcements to make. First of all, do you realize that a week from today, we will be convening one of the first points of uh, the, the Feast Seminar here in Dallas. And even though we don't know exactly what the Tuesday gathering is going to be on th for this particular seminar due to the type of uh, title and convening that this is in the Lord, it's, it's just an amazing thing to realize that we are one week away now. And I do anticipate there being some communication coming from here later this week pertaining to what we'll be doing on that day, that Tuesday afternoon, and what we would like to invite those that will be attending either uh, in person or virtually, what we would like to invite the, the, the body of saints to be doing before the Lord and in anticipation to what he's called us to accomplish during this seminar and as we approach the throne this is really a holy convocation of sorts and so just be um, just be an anticipative of, of that of that uh, suggested directive coming but I but I will say that if you have not registered yet we really again encourage you to do that the um, the the registration process shouldn't take you very long at all we do want to know how we can get a hold of you we want to know whether you're going to be here in person or virtually and uh, I don't have this information in front of me I apologize this is kind of a a faux pas that I don't have this information as I'm making the announcement but the deadline for registration online is this weekend and I, I don't remember the exact date it may be Friday so if you've been dillying or dallying get on there and do it and we will be reaching out to people now why do we want to know that far in advance well for one thing it helps us to prepare Another thing, there are some things that we're going to be doing with that registration that uh, really require us to know. And, um, you know, I, I would think by this weekend you'll know whether you're coming or not. Unless you're just maybe holding out for a late-minute uh, negotiation of some sort. I don't know. So please register. And then um, we will be um, we'll be better prepared to to provide the ministry that the Lord wants us to provide for those who would attend this gathering. But we we will be praying. I know that many of you are already praying, but here in Dallas, we will be praying tomorrow evening at six o'clock. And to the members of my congregation who are listening, I'll be talking about this some tomorrow on Wednesday Night Live, and then I'll be doing uh, a, a brief primer probably later in the afternoon leading up to the 6 o'clock gathering, which will kind of not only apprise our congregation here as to what we should be doing as we come to pray, and also as a reminder, uh, but you're welcome, if you're not here in Dallas, to pray at that time or to pray the next night or to pray whenever the Lord puts it on your heart to pray. But we want to, we really want to bear our hearts before the Lord on behalf of this gathering. You know, we're, we're calling it, I think early in June, the Lord spoke about what he wanted this thing to be called and it is a significant gathering it's it's uh, aligning itself with what the Old Testament required regarding the feasts of the Lord 
and the particular derivative that we're borrowing from in the scripture that references this are the three times per year that Adonai gathered the people and the feast was uh, was a real saintly gathering in fact the the term used in the verse that is our signature verse is the is the root of the saints and we'll be we'll be rehearsing all of this again on that Wednesday morning the first session just so everybody is on page with what it is that God has asked of us and what our scriptural directive is so that we're all in one accord about it but you know there there are some some very necessary points of submission and purifying ourselves in in uh, in light of being a part of this and and God is going to be releasing measures of promotion and impartation um, he always does that during our seminar gatherings whether they're here in Dallas or some other part of the world but this is unlike any other gathering we've had. It is a, it, yes, there are going to be things that we learn. Yes, there are going to be things that uh, God is going to be releasing as fresh meat. But this is more of an impartation gathering than any that I can recall. And it's, it's positioning us for promotion and for service in the day that we're we're in now that we're coming into but we're in now in so many ways it's still ahead of us but we've pioneered into it already the the vanguard of intercessory saints is is already there you know the forerunner preparing the way the first fruits the um the wonderful privilege of um, being that one that, according to the book of Amos, before God does anything, he, he lets that those ones know. Uh, that says that something is coming, but we're also established, we've already established a beachhead. It feels different. And, you know, you know it's, it's, a, it's a funny thing. You know, I remember when my girls were in uh, in grade school going in then into middle school and going into high school and then on into college and grad school uh, there, there came a time where whatever we did in the house to help them and to prepare we weren't doing it anymore because we couldn't do it and there there was a responsibility okay this is your project now you it's not just turning in an assignment there it's learning something and you can only learn it by doing to do and then to teach and in so many ways we're there we've gone through phases of this but in so many ways it's been a quantum leap now into uh, a new dispensation of that and it's it's unsettling for some I mean I don't really know how to say you know as a father I remember working on projects with my kids and I know Debbie did too um, but I she's not here I can only speak for me but I remember doing a lot of things so that their projects would work properly I remember creating a, Katie and I were laughing about this the other day. We, we had to create an Indian village. He got a mock-up of that. And I remember building teepees and we were drawing things on the side of the what the teepees would be. And uh, there was one thing that Kelly did that had a train that went around it on a big piece of, of hardened ply, of, of thick plywood that still leans out in the garage right now <clears throat> but I remember doing that but then I remember 
there came a time where this was this was on them and they they did wonderfully with it we're here now and some people don't like it I'm not going to go too far with this but um, God's structure is you know like what he said to Peter when you've been converted then you have to stand so that those around you can also be converted and you know like the one time Jesus said you know Satan is trying to sift you as wheat but I'm praying for you that, that is just such a stalwart passage you know here's the enemy trying to come against somebody that Jesus called the rock and very crucial individual in the fabric of the disciples Jesus was there he knew the enemy was trying to do something the easy thing was oh Lord get him away from me and the Lord Jesus Christ said I'm praying for you that your point of commune before the Father does not fail <laughs> Peter had to stand Peter had to be innovative in obedience to what the Lord was saying and Jesus wasn't going to be there to to make that happen and so I believe that there there are a lot of things that God is going to be doing in conjunction with this gathering but it's it's not that we're looking forward to entering in we're already in and what are we entering into well to the best that I can say it's it's this new transitional we've transitioned into a page in God's timetable a massive new terrain in God and with that then we have to submit ourselves and we have to be ready to do what he says to do you know the um, the example of the spies the first spies that went in and only two of them came back and said, you know, we're well able to do this. Let's go up. I, I think that the, the whole argument about the report of the spies was that there were some really challenging uh, obstacles in the new land. And are you willing to do what's necessary to encounter that? So anyway seminars a week away and we're going to be praying here in Dallas tomorrow evening I don't know what Wednesday Night Live is going to entail I, I run into trouble anytime I try to predict what that's going to be because God is pretty stingy with um, the assignments of uh, what he wants us to share what kind of meat comes and I know that flies in the face of what modern hermeneutic practices are for me my hermeneutic and I know this is the truth for many of you is to continue to study and to have my tools at the ready so that when God shares something and it's usually it's usually at the last minute I'm ready with all diligence to follow the lead of the spirit and, and get it ready so I, I don't know. I would imagine we're going to talk about prayer Wednesday night live tomorrow, but I don't know. But we will be praying tomorrow night. And uh, I want to encourage all of my congregation who are listening to be here at 6. And it's just going to be prayer. So let's just come in and get after it. And then we will, we will go. Uh, let's see you know I've been thinking a lot about how the spirit has been over the past few weeks leading us to things that Peter taught you know in the New Testament I'm more of a, a more of a Paul disciple um we're all following Christ. I know that passage. Some follow Paul, some follow Peter, some follow apostles, but we all follow Christ. I understand that. And it's easier to study what Paul writes since he wrote 
under the anointing of the Spirit, the bulk of the New Testament. But over the past few weeks, God's been directing things to our attention that he shared through Peter. And I think there's a reason for that. I think part of what we already said is in play. We're being brought through something so that we can take a stand to lead others into it, as Peter did. We're being asked by God to um, be an influence to welcome others into where they should be. And, and I think that's one of the reasons. But another reason is that, as I mentioned some on this past Sunday, Peter was a very emotive type of an individual. He, he communicated uh, on a ground level kind of a thing. Like, you know, in the military, like uh, the stories we see of, of war, you know, you, you'll have those leaders of platoons that are in authority, but they, the good ones at least, are there with the, the soldiers. And they, they influence by their, by their action and by their dependability. And they, they try to lead not as a mandate, but as a, but as something that the troops can understand. And just even this past Sunday, the, the, the words that we were exploring that Peter used were very colorful, but they were, they were deep in Greek understanding, but they were, they were indicative of the common man. I, it's like, if, if I gave uh, an illustration today and I quoted some kind of a illustration from a well-known movie that most people had seen and I, I took just a, a snippet from that film that most of the people knew to communicate a concept that's kind of a, of a communicative uh, means that would speak to everybody you know, individuals, <clears throat> I remember over the years going uh, going to see uh, classic films. And uh, I was trying to think of one that was a really a good example. I remember this one nobody can get mad at. They were, the assemblies won't take my papers for going to a movie f for this movie. But I remember when the Billy Graham association gave out free tickets to see chariots of fire back in the early 80s remember that story about the the scotsman who was a runner and he was preparing for the olympics and then he wouldn't run on the on sunday because it was against his beliefs and all the people that tried to all the people that tried to dissuade him even the uh one of the princes of England tried to influence him to run to represent his company country in those Paris Olympics and then in the story this Scottish runner was able to compete but on a different day in a different contest and there was an American runner who had heard about what was going on and obviously this guy in the story was a Christian and this guy before the, the, the Scottish runner was going to compete this American runner who was not in that race came over and handed him a note and it said the good book says if you honor me I'll honor you and you know I still remember that and I, I, I know that we went back in the day we went to see this movie you know those of you who know North Park Mall there weren't a lot of multiplex theaters around then and there was the big one here in town was North Park 1 and 2 it's not there anymore but these theaters were huge 
And I remember being in that. We took a number of my youth group there because we had free tickets after all. And I thought, there are all kinds of people in this place. There are professors from the local universities. There are preachers here. There are kids like the ones I brought in here. There was a youth pastor like me. There, there were old women and young girls and, you know, all these people. And they're seeing this message up on the screen. And that simple thing is communicating an intended message to all of them. I thought that's very interesting. So Peter, well, we talked about Sunday from 1 Peter 4. He used two terms that were well known by any of the people who had grown up in that Hellenistic culture. And they all did. They all did. You know, once Alexander the Great came through there and established Greek as the common language, and um, even when the Romans took over, things were still Hellenized. And in you know, Romans, the Roman people, they, they plagiarized so many of the, of the Greek myths and the, the, the idols that the Greeks worshipped. And then the, the Romans would take them and call them by other names, by Latin names. But all of the people that, I would assume that all of the people that Peter were writing to had at least heard the stories of the Trojan War. I mean, it, you know, Troy was up in modern Turkey. It was, I watched a program recently where archaeologists were being able to excavate where the true city of Troy was. And it's, it's much further inland now than it was when it originally established. And the reason was that flow, silt flows of, of uh, huge rivers that came into the sea there um, basically created a, a, a further shoreline. I don't know how that fits in with the global warming ideas. Maybe as all the waters rise, Troy will be on the seacoast again. But, but anyway, they had all heard that story because it was a Greek myth and, and uh, it was based partly on a real city. Uh, so Peter used the term that described in in the in Homer's writings what the Trojan horse was doing and the people all understood that we we don't I mean we we see the we see that term that speaks about um, you know being covered and we we just you know if you read that in the King James as I said on Sunday love covers a multitude of sins that's uh, that means something in our vernacular, the way we've romanticized it, being a people of love. Even the even the progressives use that verse. On the one hand, they say you can't trust the word of God, and then they pluck that one out and says, you know, God really looks at these things that you say are sin, and but His love is there, and it's not really a sin; it's just His love. I read in one of the academic writings this scripture used in that way. But in, in reality, Peter was talking about something else and our agape before the Lord and how that we are, we are a people who are partnering with God according to his secrets to take back something that was stolen. Um, what, a, what a difference it is to view that passage in, in 1 Peter 4, 8 in that way as opposed to the, the, the hallmark kind of a way. And um, I, I think that, and you know, the other one that is just there in that other verse, the, the first verse, verse 7, where he speaks about that we be sober and you have that really unique word that combines saving yourself or being saved and inspiration from God. We know very clearly that (laughs) as soon as God started giving us 
insights in the spirit realm from his word going into the, the, the real meanings of a lot of those terms and a lot of those uh, concepts that uh, are in those passages in the passages of scripture as soon as the spirit begin began to guide us into all truth and we be, begin to practice them dear god i don't know how many ways we were attacked i mean personally threatened accused maligned I, i'm not belly aching here i'm saying that I understand this concept that Peter speaks about that that says when we have to be sober because God has given us everything so that our hands can partner with him in the completion of his purpose I understand what it means to be in commune with God to where the spirit gives us insight so that our understanding is married to our affections for him and how that with that you're going to have to die to self you're going to have to surrender your own attempt at self-preservation and totally and completely trust the lord to preserve you this this is this is a different concept here and, and why in the world the king james i don't want to be too critical of them but why choose that term sober why use that word because for us it means something totally different than what the original word meant maybe they didn't understand what the word meant i mean those guys didn't have um they were very intelligent they were incredible students of the original languages but maybe they didn't feel it necessary to go back to what the original word means. And in that conversation, to save yourself and to have divine inspiration, uh, you know, you have, to, you have to recognize. And you think about all the times in the Bible where there was a fresh measure of understanding and how the enemy came against that. Jesus would be teaching and the people would say yay Jesus here he is teaching the same scriptures that the Pharisees and the doctors of the law speak but he's talking about how they really function how these scriptures really function and when he would bring those revelations those ne'er-do-wells who were stuck in traditional and very often flawed understandings of the scripture rose up and tried to kill him i mean after his first sermon when jesus took isaiah and read and said this day the scripture is fulfilled they wanted to hurl him off the cliff there in nazareth so there is and there are lots of other illustrations uh, of of this in the scripture but when god brings Revelation, you know, I thought uh, it just 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 shows how, I guess, innocent, naive maybe I was when God called us to pray, and He touched us deeply, and we were invigorated as intercessors, and God started showing <clears throat> concepts in the Scripture that were beyond anything that I had ever seen. I didn't know everything, but I did grow up in the church. I knew what the church taught. I knew what the church believed. I was in Sunday school every week. I listened to thousands of sermons. I went to college to study the scriptures. I went to grad school with, a, um, with an emphasis on study the scripture. And I had been a, an associate pastor and then a pastor. So I think I pretty much knew what I thought the scriptures meant. 
But when God started showing things in his word and, and comparing spiritual things with spiritual in the scripture, and we started gaining insights of what was the hidden riches that we'd never seen before, I thought everybody would want that. I thought all the Christians would want that. I thought that my congregation who, you know, Debbie and I had been here for, let's see, 17 years, 16 years. I thought those folks would want this. Many of them did. But many of them right out the off the bat said that we were her- heretical, her- heretical, heretical, that we were, we were unscriptural. In fact, you know, this guy's dead now. But uh, when, when the brethren came here and God orchestrated our separation from the movement we were in, temporarily, I, I hope, um, the former pastor got up and said that we were like a cult and we weren't teaching the scripture. And I thought, that's horrible. But God used that because our congregation then could see, you know what? What these guys are saying is wrong. We know this is what we've studied the scripture. The spirit has guided us into truths that are that are revelatory and they they're backed up by the, the full counsel of the word of God. This wasn't scribbled on a stone out under a tree somewhere. This is coming straight out of the word. But my goodness, the opposition and the enemy, you know, in the Garden of Eden, hath God said in the wilderness temptation, Jesus, the enemy tried to use the scripture and twist the scripture from the from what God originally intended. And then Jesus would give insight as to what the, those scriptures really meant. But it, it, was, it was truly an understanding that when you are in commune with God, he touches your affection, your understanding then is born about by you breathing deeply in commune with God, which is what friend means. And God guides you into truth. You better be prepared to surrender your defenses. Now, in the first case, you've got to surrender your defenses to receive those those things from God. Because the the carnal mind is at enmity with the things of the spirit. And you've you've got to you really have to lay down your your own uh, scriptural defense and I'm not saying a love of the scripture hear me but but sometimes when you know on I, when I would be preaching you know the Bible speaks about Jesus knowing their thoughts and for some people when I was just teaching on very simple concepts I could look out into the sanctuary and it was like Certain people who I knew loved the Lord and knew the word, it was like they were sitting on a, a seat full of tacks. And I'm thinking, why is this so miserable for you? What, what, is, what is wrong here with you? And, and I think it is, you have to, you have to be willing to, um, to, to dismantle things that you used to rely on that you recognize well what I thought I understood really wasn't the truth because the spirit has shined a light on what the truth really is and now I'm surrendering that to accept the reality you say well isn't that dangerous in Christianity well it shouldn't be every type of learning requires you to discard things that you used to believe that aren't true. (laughs) You know, 
you just study about the medical community and the way they used to leech people. They used to bleed people. And they thought that it was some kind of a, um, uh, it, it would regulate the blood and, and it would cause people to recover. Well, basically, most of the times it was killing people. And when, when uh, modern medicine said, we shouldn't do that anymore, there was horrific, horrific um, offense coming from the established medical community for people who had done that very thing all their lives. You know, I think you study about like George Washington and the, the bleedings, the bloodlettings that they did, which probably uh, helped to kill him. <laughs> those, those, those traditions were hard to let go of. They thought it was helping them. They thought it was helping people, but it really wasn't. You know, one of the, I shouldn't tell this, but this is chit-chat hour. You study the life of Martin Luther, and when he was dying, um, there was some feeling, this is kind of gross, but this really happened. There was some feeling that if, if you gave somebody an enema, that it would purge out whatever their sickness was. Now, to some degree, there is some medical understanding to where that type of uh, evacuation can be helpful for people to, to get to, to, to purge your system of impurities or things that uh, aren't, aren't there. But he was dying and they, <laughs> he came in and gave him an enema thinking that was going to raise him up. How'd you like that to be you know, there you are, and you know it's I'm coming home, Lord. And, but first, let these medical tacticians do this thing. And that's it's such a silly story, but it really happened. Heard it here first, folks. Um, granted, there are probably a lot of Lutherans that could use one of those right now. But the uh, the thing is that. I mean, for the medical community to surrender falsehoods is um, is hard for people to do. I mean, I could go into to what what's going on right now. I I heard three eminent uh, epidemiologists from major universities, like last night. I heard a guy from Johns Hopkins, a guy from Yale, and a guy from Stanford, heads of their departments medically. And they were saying that, you know, masks do help, but cloth masks and these, these standard little ones that, that, that I have because it helps me breathe better through them, and I can go in and out of stores where the hippies look at you like you're heinous if you don't wear one going in. But those really don't do anything. These, these guys were talking about the science that proved that. And that the N95s and the, the more sophisticated masks can do something. But um, there's a battle raging today by people who are who are science followers who just have staked their whole claim to the fact that these masks, that these scientists, teachers of medicine at our greatest universities are saying these ones don't do any good. So it's, it's hard for people when a new insight comes to surrender the defense that they had before. But when you gain something from the Lord, you have to be willing to do that, to die daily, to die to yourself. Um, David prayed that in Psalm 51, search me, see if there be any wicked way in me, purge me. And this is just a concept with anything in the Lord. And why wouldn't it be? If God's going to give you something, he wants a vessel that is cleansed. You don't put new wine, kynos wine, into an old skin. 
or to an old vessel. You want to either cleanse the vessel or get a new skin that is pliable so that the um, that the catalysts that are going on there in the and the, in the wine so as it becomes uh, it begins to expand and the gases begin to expand it doesn't burst it um, but you you've got you've got to be willing to die to the old for anything new to come Jesus said unless a seed falls in the ground and dies there's no life and the seed used to be a part of something that was growing anew so when Peter uses this term and then when he uses the term for um, covering these these words were were, were used and, and again that, that term were so so and friend as I mentioned on Sunday was was part of their understanding again in the stories told by Homer and the stories passed on of great fights uh, uh, against uh, monsters and uh, people who were partnering with the gods. This word was used to describe what that individual had to do in order to receive whatever measure of uh, instruction or empowering from that being which we know to be demonic I think all those Greek myths were based upon a truth an initial truth that God wanted to really partner with mankind and then the enemy started recruiting people to partner with him and these Greeks had ideas about Zeus and Apollo and and um, all their other litany of of uh, beings, Athena and and so on, um, Hades and Poseidon. Uh, I I know that the concept though was how do these people who are serving these quote divine beings receive and implement the word well it was this term that you had to surrender yourself to gain a revelation from the spirit and so Peter used that term they all knew that term even the most illiterate person understood that concept because they'd heard the stories they didn't have Netflix they didn't have um, apps they couldn't, they couldn't uh, pull up their television set with 400 channels on it. You know, they had no other entertainment, so they heard those stories, and it captivated them. People that saw them acted in the amphitheaters then would tell them around the campfire, and it, it, it was the people's measure of, of insight and the people's measure of entertainment. It's how they learned what they became what inspired them in Greece to be warriors um, and so Peter uses these terms but they're things that we should understand as well you know so what are the saints as God is turning the page and his time of completion and restoration is here well, we're people that have to keep receiving insights from God and be willing to change, to be changed from glory to glory. We have to be a people who will not allow other influences, cares of this world, to intoxicate us so that we can continue in partnership with God in supplication and to gain insights and pray as God would direct us to declare and to pray. And we remember that we are to be a people who don't reject, who don't reject what God's way is. But we're willing to partner with Him according to His plan, which is hidden from the foundation of the world, but now being revealed to go and 
to take back what was stolen or kleptoed. This is what we've been living as saints. And it just it just amazes me that Peter said basically the same thing that Paul said, but he said it in a terminology that even the most common individual could communicate. Just like chariots of fire, Jackson Jackson Schultz gives that mythical, whether it happened or not, piece of paper to encourage a fellow brother in Christ. That, that, everybody in that theater knew what that meant, from the most educated to the, to the dropout from school. Everybody knew. And so Peter uses these terms, but we understand what they mean because God has shown us throughout his word this is this is what I'm doing this is what you're doing this is the calling of the saints this is how revelation comes this is how insight comes this is what you must do to receive it this is how you grow in this uh, in in these simple colorful words Peter says the same thing as Paul said and, and I think that God maybe telling us okay where I'm where I'm going to be leading you now is going to be on a scale that dwarfs the myths of ancient Greece and you're going you're going to see me do things and you're going to partner with me in things that even the the Greek uh, writers could not have devised. You're going to be living the great drama, the great victory of all the ages. And, and I think also that we're going to be sent to different types of people. We've got to know how to communicate these messages to a more scholastically minded people but also to very simple people both being good people now we just have to prepare ourselves because it's a whole lot easier to deal with people who are simple than it is to, to deal with people who think they know everything and will argue and debate with you and accuse you of being un oh what what is it what were we accused of a few years ago being narcissistic and of having hubris that's just the catchphrase now isn't it remember narcissistic comes from the, again the greek narcissist who saw himself his reflection in the water or in the mirrors and thought that he was just beautiful just couldn't be improved upon well, I don't I don't believe we're narcissist I know I'm of all I'm the, the least among the saints but I know enough to believe what God has said and I know enough to trust what I have been shown in the word rather than the philosophies of people and the doctrines of devils um, you know somebody used to joke you know I'm just dumb enough to believe this well I still am uh, I'm, I'm recognizing that I am decreasing and he is increasing maybe, maybe we're going to have to find passages like what Peter says maybe maybe we can use this if we're dealing with people who are uh, uneducated because sometimes sometimes the enemy will come in and he'll say oh listen to all that you can never understand that and people believe it P people believe it oh it's too hard make it simple make it simple we used to hear that too and usually that meant 
we don't really want to tax our brains. We don't want to be, we just want to be entertained. We want you to tell us things very simply so we can feel cajoled and comforted and we don't, we don't, there's no demand on us. Make it simple so that we can understand how to get from God without giving and serving Him. It's like, reminds me of, again, why, I don't know why I keep talking about this. Sometimes my girls would say, they didn't say this very often because they knew it didn't fly with me. This is too hard. And I'd say, that's not acceptable. Hard or not. This, I, I understand this stuff and I'm telling you, it's not too hard. You just need to be willing to learn it. And you, you need to put the work in to know it. And they did. A lot of times when people say, it's too hard, make it simple. It's just like the kid that says, I don't want to do my homework. I want to watch SpongeBob. You know, tell me this in three, three simple points real fast and tell me a heartwarming story so I can feel good about myself again. That, that, that's ridiculous. That'll get you killed in war. So, but maybe something like this. Maybe one day we can lead off by talking about how the Greeks believed that people could hear from, from Olympus and they could receive insights and they would do what was ever necessary in order to partner with what they believed was a word from God. Or the, the classic story of the Greeks with uh, Agamemnon and Menelaus and Achilles and how they attacked Troy and then they couldn't break through those massive walls, but they built that wooden horse and they hid the soldiers in. <laughs> Remember that scene from Monty Python when they were uh, in the Holy Grail, uh, King Arthur, they, they had an idea of how they were going to get inside the walls of that castle that were guarded by those French guys. And so they built this big horse and they were watching and the Frenchman came up and says, Sacre bleu, what is this? And they came out and pulled the horse in. And and they were all, uh, uh, King Arthur and his people were saying, Great, great, look, now what's the next plan? Well, once they've pulled us through the wall, then we've hidden in there and we jump out. And King Arthur looks at him and, You idiot. <laughs> We built this horse, but you left the reason we built the horse out. So the horse is inside the wall, and we're not in there. And the next thing you see that the French had trebucheted the, the horse and went, and they're saying, run away, as that big horse comes flying over the walls. That was funny. But these are concepts that Peter uses to talk about some very deep things in the spirit. Maybe one day we'll use this understanding to reach out to a group of people who we don't have a whole lot of time with, but we can communicate to them, this is how God meets with you. I don't know. Well, we're out of time. Thanks for joining. We'll look forward to praying with you all throughout this week. We'll look forward to seeing many of you next week. We continue to pray that God will absolutely cover us with health and safety and provision and that we will have strength and be able to come here undaunted to fulfill what it is that he wants from us. So don't forget to register. We'll look forward to being able to reach out to you again tomorrow and... Um, Look for further words this weekend. Um, it'll probably just be, I don't know. I can't speak. I know Monica's going to be praying about how to reach out regarding Tuesday. So don't, don't write anything down that I'm saying. But just look for further insights to come regarding that. So thanks for joining today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And uh, may God bless you all. We love you. We're praying for you. It's a privilege to serve our Father with you as saints. Until 
next time. God bless you and goodbye.